0: Episode 26. The intrepid team were last seen staggering out of the wreckage of Welsh post-rockers McCluskey, who exploded after their 2004 album The Difference Between Me and You Is That I'm Not On Fire, and then bludgeon the survivors with the 3 CD juggernaut that was McCluskeyism. Somehow we survived to return for the discography of Future of the Left, the thing that Andrew Falkus did next. Because that's what we do here at Temporary Fandoms. We listen to entire discographies, and then we try to work out what it all means. A futile endeavour, I'm sure you'll agree, and yet somehow we're compelled to do it anyway. You'll find us doing it on our website at tempfans.com, which includes links to the Spotify playlist version of the show, cut together with the music we're blithering on about. If that isn't enough for you, there's also a Facebook group where you can participate in weekly immersions with over a thousand like-minded listeners. But Falco's not done with us yet, so rejoin me, Ewan, and our three fabulous guests as we screw up our eyes and try to fathom the future of the left.
1: Hello there, welcome back to uh, episode two, season three. Uh, I have no idea what episode it is, full stop now. We're just rebooting uh, from from start of season three um, of Temporary Fandoms. Um, I'm Ewan again. I'm Nick. And rejoining us... Um, for today are Cherie and more. Hello, Sheree.
2: Hello, I'm still squatting here.
1: <laughs> she's still she's never leaving. Um Nick Taylor. Nick, hello. Hello. And Chris, Chris Whitby. Hello, Ewan. How are you? <laughs> oh that, that that seemed that seems like there was barely concealed disdain right there <laughs> it was uh, no it was genuine i didn't want to put too much emphasis on the question to make you think you had to
3: answer positively i was just you know <laughs>
1: um so um as we mentioned uh, in the last one um, there is a patreon um and yeah go and have a look or don't go and have a look or ignore it or don't ignore it um hopefully one of you won't but you yeah, know then we'll feel loved but you know, it's one of those things anyway um we spoke about mccluskey in the previous episode, which some could say is the precursor to this, or this is the sequel to that. Um, Chris, what are we doing today?
3: Today we're working through the five albums of Future of the Left.
1: Uh, which are? They are
3: Curses, Travels with Myself and Another, uh, The Plot Against Common Sense, How to Stop Your Brain in an Accident, the one I almost always forget, and The Peace and truce, Not Truth of future of the left.
1: These album titles are really quite annoying. Um, <laughs> particularly as we have to keep I real, saying yeah, them. Over I've, realized, and
3: over. <laughs> I've realized recently also, they have a lot of words I can't say. That's what I've discovered recently.
1: <laughs> um, okay. Well, we will come back to words that we can't say, um, which might be a spin-off podra- podcast on the Patreon. Just all of us stumbling over bits of, bits of words we can't, we can't quite pronounce. Um, next voice you're going to hear will be Chris again, and we will all be back in a bit
3: Future Left formed in mid-2005 Eggleston and Falcos remained from McCluskey and were joined by two members of the recently disbanded Jar Crew Kelsey Mateus and Huel Evans Jar Crew are worth checking out if you haven't already and they would end up being a support band when they also reformed on some of the later McCluskey reunion gigs Evers soon left and the band became Falcos on vocals, guitar and newly introduced synthesizer, Kelson on bass and Jack on drums. The band played a few gig under aliases, including Gorilla Press and Dead Redneck, who would make their first official headline show, and first as Future Left, at the Camden Barfly in September 2006. Their debut album Curses was released in September 2007, and I remember the excitement that came with it. The first time I heard them was when my housemate bought one of the singles, but I struggled to remember which one it was. We were both McCluskey fans and we didn't know what to expect. I think what we got was a development of the sound on the final McCluskey album, but with some added lightness. The addition of a synthesizer brought something new to the band and the album was packed with memorable choruses. One of the biggest moments in the album is the track Mancasm, where we'll be introduced to the friend of the band, Mark Foley, and everyone's favourite cat, Colin. The track is always incredible when they play it live and if there's one thing Colin can do is join us together in a sing-along. I saw them on this album Manchester Club Academy and it was amazing. From this point onwards I would see the band at least once on every album. They also released a live album in this period called Last Night I Saved Her From Vampires which is really worth checking out. If you've not heard it before I'm jealous and I look forward to hearing what people think of it. In 2009, the band released the album Travels With Myself and Another. The album was leaked onto the internet ahead of its release. Falcus would share a blog outlining his frustration and annoyance of what had happened. This is the album of everything they've released that should have made them massive and I'm baffled that it didn't. Arming Eritrea, the opening track, is a number one single and I stand by that. It's got a massive single and chorus, it's anthemic, I have no idea how it didn't happen. I also have a soft spot for this album due to the track Laps Catholics. As a lapsed catholic myself, the song resonates with me in ways I care not to admit. I also love the song as a favourite of my wife's. The song will become a regular set-closer at future left gigs, usually formed of a medley where the band starts in the middle of the song, add a cover or sort of the track from their catalogue and then return to lapsed catholics. It culminates in the band dismantling the drum kit while Eggleston continues to play. My wife hates encores and always appreciates that the band ends in such an exciting and theatrical way but don't succumb to come back for an always predictable encore. I saw them All You in London on this album and picked up my first t-shirt of theirs. It had a large octopus on it, and I titled another standout from the album You Need Satan More Than He Needs You. This is one of the strongest albums in their catalogue. It's tight, direct and really focused. I think it's a perfect entry to the band. If I was trying to get someone into the work of Falcus, I'd probably play them this and do Dallas. Enjoy. Plot Against Common Sense was released in 2012, but a lot happened in the band between this and Travels. Firstly, Kelson left the band. He would soon be replaced for a period by Steve Hudson of Ocean Size and Kong. It was interesting for me to see him join as I'd seen Kong a number of times whilst living in Manchester. He used to wear these strange jelly-like masks and bright makeup, which made them look like deranged clowns. He would soon be replaced by Julio Rizika, who had previously been in the band Million Debt. For those who have been around temporary fandom for a while, you might remember Million Dare from a previous immersion I led. I've been a massive fan, so as you can imagine, I was excited by her arrival. Finally, the band expanded to a four-piece adding Jimmy Watkins on guitar. It's worth mentioning that Jimmy now runs a Twitter virtual running group called Running Punk. so if you like music and running, I'd recommend giving them a follow. He also does album reviews whilst running, which are a joy. In late 2011, the band released an EP called Polymers Forever. Around the release of the EP, I saw the band at Lexington in London. The gig was notable for two reasons. Firstly, they played a number of songs I don't think I've ever seen them play again, including destroywitchchurch.com. It was also the first time I saw them playing McCluskey songs. I vividly remember them starting the hi-hat to lightsaber, and much like the term I heard it on John Peel, I felt a rush of joy. I think they might have also played to hell with good intentions. It's one of the best Future Left gigs I've ever seen, and I actually have a poster of it on the wall in my flat. The album has some of my favourite songs of theirs, including Camp Cappuccino, Goals in Slow Motion and Notes in Achieving Orbit. Goals is another track, like Eritrea on the previous album, which feels like it should have been a massive single. The production on here does feel different to me, and it comes across as the sound of a band trying to expand their reach. The colour scheme of the album also feels very different, with the nuclear explosion providing a literal brightness that feels unlike previous albums. While strong, the album does suffer in places for being overly long. I actually think it's the longest album in the future left and McCluskey catalogue. It definitely could have been strengthened by removing a few tracks later on in the album. The band also released an EP of demo from the album titled Man Vs Melody in November 2012. There's a lot to get behind on this album. I mean, how can you not like an album that mentions Howard the Duck? Things move fast in the future Left Camp, and in 2013, a little more than a year after the last album, the band released How to Stop Your Brain in an Accident. This time, the band decided to do things differently, and funded the album through the website Pledge Music. I think they raised all the money in less than six or seven hours. The album was preceded by the EP, Love Songs for Our Husbands. Another EP was released around the album entitled Human Death. This is really worth checking out, if not only for the track Hey Precious, which are one of the best songs in the Future of Left catalogue. I always see this one as a pair with plot against Common Sense. Across them both are some of the hallmarks of the Future Left style, with deviations and experiments into different sounds and approaches. It feels like a band trying out new things and exploring new ways of writing. I really like the album cover, and I think that this one and Common Sense have a different aesthetic to what preceded them and what would come after. I think if you're new to the band, the breadth of songs might be off-putting, but I do think when these songs land, they are great. The track, How To Spot A Record Company, is a key illustration of what's happening with the band at the time, and the album, along with the two EPs, were released on the band's own label, Prescription Music. They have since released everything through this. I remember a gig around this time where Jimmy ran around with a sausage on a stick, a reference to an older, future Left song. It's a really great album, and I hope you all like it too. In December 2015, the band again announced they would be crowdfunding their new album. That album, The Peace and Truth of Future Left, was released in 2016. Jimmy wasn't involved in the recording and the band returned to being a three-piece. As well as the album, the band also released an EP, The Failed States and Forest Clearings. I vividly remember the times I saw them on this tour, for very different reasons. The first, at the Electric Board in London, took place in the night that Prince died who raised a glass to him in the local World's End beforehand and I think Falcos might have mentioned it on stage. It would seem unlikely that he wouldn't. The second was at The Garage, again in London. This was recorded and was later released as a live album, so if you wanted to hear what I heard that night, head over to the Future Left Band camp. I think this album really benefits from a more focused approach than the last two. They've worked through a lot of different sounds and what results a tighter album. They some of the best songs and lyrics from their catalogue. This is the last Future Left album, but hopefully we'll be hearing new material soon. Alongside Future Left, in 2014, Falcus announced a benefit gig to help save the venue Le Pub in Newport. They will play a set of McCluskey songs. Him and Eggleston will be joined by Julia from Future Left and Damien Sale, vocalist of Bristol band St Pierre Snake Invasion. Sometime in 2014, I was sat at my desk at work and I received a text message saying a friend had bought tickets for us to see McCluskey at Club For Back in Cardiff. I didn't realise the gig was happening, so this came as quite a surprise. But what a show it was. I remember that my friend disappeared at the start of the gig and returned later with his shirt ripped. I still don't know what happened. Likewise, in a move unusual for me, someone who doesn't drink a great deal, I decided I would start drinking in the afternoon by the time of the gig I remember a rush of excitement and enthusiasm which is fitting for such a momentous night. A newly reformed Jar Crew, complete with original Future Left member Kelsim, supported. The band have continued to play gigs in Kluski, with an asterisk to denote that isn't the original members, and I saw them again at the Broodin and Social Club in Lees, and had tickets for their show at the same venue next year. In 2014, Falcus also started recording and releasing music under the name Christian Fitness, He's released a number of albums, which you can find over his Bandcamp page. I'm excited to see what Future Left do next, and the Do Dallas shows will be amazing next year. Here's to many
1: more years. Hello there, welcome back to Temporary Fandoms. Um, You have been listening to Chris talking you through the discography of Future of the Left. Uh, Still with Nick and myself, our other Nick. Hello. Hello. Uh, Chris. Hello. And Cherie.
2: Hello there.
1: Um, Also, obviously, we're going to be putting links to all of our guests' stuff in the doobly-doo below. Um, Please go and check all those things out. But we're going to get cracking on Future of the Left. Um, So there was a band. That band broke up. There was another band. That band broke up. And those two Groups sort of merged with the joining of, I'm going to get this wrong, Julia Ruzica? Rizic- you're,
3: you're jumping ahead, though. You're jumping ahead. That's later. So at this point, for this album, you've got, yeah. <sighs> tut, tut, tut. Uh, for this album, um, Future Left was um, Jack and Andy, Andrew Falkus from uh, McCluskey, and they were joined by two members of Jar Crew, who were another Welsh band, another Welsh Post hardcore band, I would suppose you might say. Uh, but one of them left like, quite quickly. So you were left with Kelson, who plays bass. So it's two thirds of McCluskey with Kelson on bass.
1: Oh, yeah, because I've got, I've got notes for later saying, oh, Kelson leaves so that should be when <laughs> he, and he does it he does it at some point yeah <laughs> yeah he does um he does here on my notes see kelson needs um, so yeah there was some research as i said in the last episode to, to we, i found that getting drunk helped me enjoy this significantly more so most of my research was done on the way back from the pub um so if there are some wow. factual inaccuracies um yeah um okay so we've got uh is it plague of onces onces how would would you pronounce that play uh we've got more bass kicking in we've got synths um there's some weird piano coming in on um real men hunting packs i mean this is a different band but it's the same band chris i mean what's different what's new i suppose it's a kind of extension
3: of some of the earlier tracks i suppose on the difference between me and you is i'm not on fire and i if that's the last time i'll have to say that um so it's got those earlier kind of so big choruses <laughs> i suppose that's what's quite different with future to the left you've got much more noticeable big sing-alongs i would go along as a sing-along you would say much kind of heavier riffs so kind of like driving rather than that kind of punky grungy sound which was on um the mccluskey album so i would say that's it what you get is a much I use this word a lot recently. We're talking about them as like quite taut, quite sing along, and I would say it's it's kind of weird saying this, but a bit lighter as well. There's a bit more space in it, I think as well. I think so. Mm. There's a bit. It's not quite as pummeling, but the riffs are massive, which is what we all like. So that's good.
1: And um, when you say sing along, I think that's a key point. I mean, for me, it's not so much sing along in the classic. You know, everybody just joins in a rousing chorus, but sing along in the classic, you're pogoing up and down and shouting. Yeah. You know, mm. it's like Rage Against the Machines, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Sort of, it's that, that there are lines that you just, you do want to just shout out and repeat, particularly not necessarily just the funny or the sardonic ones, but also the ones. Uh, there are some that come up in, in future albums. I'll, I'll save that one. Um, <laughs> Cherie. You were more aware, you knew Future of the Left significantly more than McCluskey. Um, Did you come in later and work your way back? Were you aware of them from curses?
2: Uh, I worked backwards, but I would say actually I probably knew McCluskey do Dallas more than Future of the Left. I knew of Future of the Left because a lot of bands were referencing them at the time of the kind of sounds that they wanted to make. And I also feel like one of the joyful things about this, and I'd say this as a compliment, is that I feel like it charts a bit of a progress um, that other bands were doing as well, where there was a bit more electronica coming into kind of heavy guitars. I was all over that. Uh, So he was really happy that there were kind of those eerie synths involved. Um, Some of it throughout the records takes me to like B-52's Bliss. Um, Mm. But yeah, so I hadn't listened to Curses before. Um, But I agree with Chris that, yeah, it definitely felt... Kind of a more sharpened affair, I guess, because it's got those those chorus lines. Um, it's got that humour still, though, and it's still got those raging guitars. But I was just elated that there was now a synth involved as well. Um, <laughs> and I actually really the you and you mentioning real men hunt in packs. I thought it was really glammy. I was into the glam um, the glam
1: piano. Yeah, it was it was, it was sort of oh I, I was generally oh, okay. That's yeah, that, that's that's nice. Um, about the whole humor thing, and like we mentioned in the previous one, that um, uh, a bunch of us have also been listening to Half Man, Half Biscuit at the time. The, the, the album, the, sorry, the song "Fuck the Countryside Alliance." I mean, if yep. that was sung in a different way and put on a different album, it could easily be ve- very similar to being a Half Man, Half Biscuit track. Well,
0: absolutely.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Nick, well, what's your Nick? Nick T. Um, okay. What's your stance on the Country Alliance? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I related to that, that song particularly as someone who, uh, previously in the last year moved, uh, moved from, from London to, uh, to a place in the, in the middle of nowhere where the, the countryside Alliance, uh, rules, rules all. Um, oh, really? and, uh, so, and yeah, so, I think so, you know, lines, lines about, uh, lines about, tories and meadows is uh i mean yeah that's pretty much my pretty pretty much the, the foundations of my surroundings really so that that was a that particular track hit a bit hit a bit close to home i think quite, quite literally in fact um
1: i've now got this image of like the movie hot fuzz and the neighbourhood yeah. watch and, <laughs> and are you off. living in that village
4: <laughs> it's not far off there's less people than uh, than, the, than the than the village of hot fuzz um but uh but apart from that it's very it's very close yeah.
1: Um, how was this album received? I mean, there, there, there's, a, there's, there's a new band that contains people from a, a, a previous, let's say, a cult band. Um, how was this album received by the music press? Was it all, were they still looking for fancy shoes and nice hair, um, how, or have they, had we moved on?
3: I think from my cursory glance around, it was received pretty well. I think a quite high um, acclaim from people. Again, probably a mix between the excitement of seeing the, you know someone like Falcus in particular, like, and I, I'm aware of this when you talk about them, that he kind of overshadows the whole band in some way. I know that they're, uh, particularly Jack Eggleston in this, in Future the Left, I think the drumming adds a massive thing to it, but he does, you know, he's the one most people know. But anyway, I think that um, there was an excitement for them to be back, or him in particular to be back. And I think it was received pretty well. My understanding is this one in particular.
1: Okay. Okay. I mean, so, I mean, it's less of a, a difficult start, I guess, for them. I mean, although obviously there's that pressure uh, of coming back with something new. Nick, old Nick, our Nick, temporary fandom's Nick. Fuck um, <laughs> 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 you. <laughs> yes. Um, how about this one for you? I mean, we've got like, like, yeah, uh, sure, i sure said like, I mean, synth, kind of piano.
0: thinking about what the difference is between this and McCluskey. And, and essentially it's just a sort of rebranding because if, if McCluskey's next album had been this, you wouldn't have thought, even though there are changes, you wouldn't have thought, well, that's a massive reinvention. You know, it's, it's a, essentially a continuation of where they were with some keys, maybe, um, which, which is an interesting, you know, uh, enjoyable extra layer. I found with Future Left, though, I, I kind of warmed to them more with each album. I think they just get better and better. There were elements with this that I didn't connect with quite so quickly. And interestingly, I went back to when we listened to them on Facebook in 2018, and actually I was quite down on this album. I don't know if it was that I was kind of, re- again, expectations, what I was expecting about it, but I was complaining about the, you know, I mean, you've, you've invoked Rage Against the Machine. I'm not, I'm not into that at all. <laughs> so, you know, you talk about the big sing-alongs. When, when I hear the line, uh, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, my mind automatically shouts back, fuck you, you'll go to bed without any tea. Um, that's why you call me <laughs> old Nick, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: Oh, can we, can, we get song, can we get that song to Christmas number one?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like it, but the best is still to come, The Future of the Left, I think.
1: Okay, well, let's move on a little bit to the next one, Travels with Myself and Another. Um, I saw Future of the Left, I realised, in 2009 at All Tomorrow's Parties, and I struggled ah. to remember it because, number one, I was drunk for most of the weekend uh number two if, if anybody's ever been to all tomorrow's parties and it's a big butlins an old holiday camp in minehead and the main stage is essentially in the foyer and there's a burger king next to it and so you can sit at burger king watching a band and this was about six o'clock in the afternoon and i went to see future of the left and then I, while I was watching Future of the Left, I had a double cheeseburger with bacon. And then I went off to watch Spiritualize later on. I mean, as an experience, I can't quite remember them. Um, but I but remember, you remember the cheeseburger.
0: Watching,
1: I remember the cheeseburger. And I watched all of them. I didn't go off and play crazy golf. I didn't go off to it. I remember watching all of them. <laughs> um, but there were so many bands that weekend that it's, it's always hard to come away with, with uh, one you've discovered, so to speak. You just sort of go to have a good time. Um, I am going to say that Arming Eritrea, while being a great opening track, the lyrics, uh, well, rhyming Eritrea with pay her um, is, is is shocking, shockingly lazy lyricism. And mean, it really jarred work. to me. <laughs> I quite like it. I that. don't know. It, it it's, 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 it's just seemed a bit weak. Um, also, there were sometimes that some of the tracks uh, drifted in, not vocally, but when the guitar sort of kicked in. Kill, I, I heard the killers in there and oh. I know I'm probably the only wow. one but there was a sort of a rising sort of <laughs> I'm not getting out I'm at my own house Chris and um, there was a sort of rising sound a sort of anthemic I meant there was an anthemic sort of sort of sound um and land of my uh, former reminded me of um, Carter Unstoppable Sex machine there was a sort of synth guitar thing going in at the beginning I was oh oh quite like this um this was for me a step up. From the previous album. Um, and it was one of the, the first times I, I really enjoyed something of going back to McCluskey and moving into this. I, I put on in the afternoon. I was like, oh, this is yeah, I'm really enjoying this. This is great. Did some cooking, played a few tracks a few more times. Yeah, you know, it was it was pretty good for me. Um, we talked a bit on the last part about the difficult second album or difficult third album. This is that second album. Um, what do you think? Um Nick, T. I mean, do you think this reeks of a second album, or is it a band sort of ploughing forward? I think this is a
4: band really finding their finding their voice and their style. I think I think it's such a strong record. I mean, I have to say this is actually the this is pretty much the one. This is the this is the Future Left album that I've always been most familiar with, um, and I do have very strong memories of it of it coming out. And I think the the hope that house built in my mind was actually a sort of a proper kind of li- little kind of, um, cult indie hit. But I think that's probably just because it was like heavily played on my, uh, student radio station in Leeds. So in that sort of, in, in, in that sort of little indie bubble that we had, it was, it was certainly a, a it was certainly a big deal. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's really, it's just really really strong and confident uh and um uh and yeah i just think this is when they really came into it they really came into their own like as a as a band and really kind of differentiating themselves from the from the mccluskey days properly um and this is a kind of interesting time for that sort of for for indie music as well in 2009 when you had when you had uh bands like uh, Date Projectors coming out with Bitter Orca and and Animal Collective releasing um uh Merryweather Pavilion and things like that. And so it was a big it was a big year for these uh for for these kind of previously kind of cult, like kind of cool indie bands kind of coming through with their sort of big uh statement albums. Uh, and I think this really I think this really fits into that kind of to that context as well, I think
1: yeah I think there was, I mean, talking about some of those bands, there wasn't there was another, again we talked about in, in, in the previous one with a wave from America of say the White Stripes and the Strokes, there was another wave of American bands going into the, their second albums, uh, Wolf Parade, uh, lots of, mm-hmm. sort of, of those types of bands, even Arcade Fire were were rising and on the rise at this point. So again, having this type of post-hardcore band evolving on the other side they probably a bit of a class for the, sort of those music journalists' attention a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, it is definitely a statement album. Cherie, um, um, where does this album sit with you? I mean, it's a trite question. I ask it way too much. But in terms of the last one was, yeah, we're, we're back. We're trying to differentiate ourselves. And now we've got this continuation yet evolution, I guess.
2: Mm, I definitely agree with that kind of charting the progress and thinking about what's happening in the States, but also what's happening here. I think for a band that's like rooted in punk and that, and a lot of their fans will have come from that and kind of trusted Falcus to guide them into this next phase. And um, for me, I just think that is perfect because... There was a great review about this record from the BBC saying that um the Hope That House built had that kind of um join our hopeless cause, the sort of chorus that you want Green Day to have if they weren't taking themselves so seriously. And <laughs> yeah, I totally yeah. felt that because I didn't want American Idiot at that point. I wanted like Nimrod from the days gone. Mm. And actually Future mm. of the Left, I guess, did that in a in a less sort of, even though we have said the word anthem, I wouldn't say it was like, you know, they weren't heading well, if we think about Chris's original point about Biffy Clyro and where they've gone, like there's no jaggy Mm. snake anymore, is there? There's just stadiums galore. Um, So I was really pleased to hear this, hear this progression. Yeah. Going into that kind of more um, thoughtful songwriting, but still doing all the stuff that we love from McCluskey as well. Like I loved um, Stand By Your Manatee. I just think Mm. he's just such a good songwriter to to shame someone for plastic forks yeah. in that yeah. era. yeah <laughs> <laughs> on like socioeconomic you know issues of the masses way before we're still contemplating that now you know it's crazy it's mm. so so good
1: mm. uh, I, yeah i got lost i mean after a while the the lyrical references they started to wash over me because when you're listening yeah. to a, a new album every day you don't really have time to go back and go, oh, yeah, that one and that one and that one. I imagine if you've been listening to, the, to, to this album for, oh, for years and the, the discography for years, they, they stand out a little bit more. But, yeah, occasionally you get that one that jumps out and you go, oh, 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 I like that one. No, oh, that's clever. Aha, that's clever. And I will probably go back and revisit some of them, uh, but some of those nuggets do to sort of disappear. Great song titles. I mean, I, I mean, I love a pun, and this is pun heavy. <laughs> You know, this is this is this is awesome on that front. Um, Nick, not old yes. Nick. <laughs> oh no, old Nick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what do you want? A hot take?
1: Um, no, no. I, hot take. I, so, hot yeah, take.
0: As I say, they, they they get better as they go along. I really like this one. Um, I was thinking you talked about um, arming Eritrea already, and the the is it, it's not that one. It's the hope the house built that has the come join our lost cause. But I guess it's the same mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. There's a sort of habit of Um, invoking real world issues but in a kind of cryptic way so you're never quite sure what the song's about or what he's saying about the thing but even the name of the band Future of the Left they sound like a sort of po-faced math rock band but they're anything but that and so so something very sardonic about the way he's playing with that in in the choice of T- titles and things. So even that, just this is just me going down rabbit holes on Wikipedia. But I, no- I noticed that the uh, the title of this album is from a book by Martha Gellhorn, who was one of uh, Ernest Hemingway's wives, I believe. <laughs> I, I believe, I, as in I read on Wikipedia. Um, but you know, it's
3: <laughs> it's just interesting that point you make about how. Him like being able to take shots at things like on Laps Catholics, which starts with that joke about you know Tim Robbins and Shawshank and Jacob's Ladder and then goes into that bit about Fox News and, and all that kind of thing. And you think that's seamless, being able to like catch you off guard. And I do, yeah, I have never really thought about that how many shots there are at things and pop without it being earnest or anything. It's yeah. just really, really clever the way he manages to do it, actually.
0: Yeah. I mean, just occasionally, I'd kind of like, because I, I go, I've, I've, you know, in the process of doing this, I've gone off and thought, well, what's this one about then? And I go and read the lyrics. And you're like, well, I'm none the wiser. So it's all full of, full of all these clever lines. But yeah. Christ knows what he's on about after time.
1: I think he did seem <laughs> to get a, a bit more abstract as the albums progressed. Yeah. Um, well, either whether it's conceptually or whether it's metaphorically, there was definitely more abstract stuff coming in chris i think the strangest thing
3: about this period for this album for me
1: was i think it was like
3: this album or the tail end of the tour for the last album um a friend of ours it transpired was friends with falcus so which came as a surprise and a shock to me but anyway they managed to get us tickets to see future left at camden crawl and it transpired that it was a camden crawl under 18 event and i was not i was not under 18 it's one issue for this anyway we stood quietly at the side but they were going through this i'm sure they were going through a period this was around and they were kind of going upwards you know they were getting bigger and i think there was approximately five people there that was it at this gig in um it was amazing but it was just this weird thing of trying to that kind of challenge that you have that you're going up in the world with one audience and then trying to do this other sort of circuit if you will And it just didn't quite work for them but i think. It must have been around the time of this album. Anyway, yeah, it was amazing to see them at that point in such a small venue. Kelson was definitely still there, so it was around this time. But yeah, it was a very surreal experience with like five people, and they were just yeah, really? it's a very odd and was time. That
1: all, was that all a bunch of over eighteen year olds pretending they were under eighteen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I
3: had, like, I had like a like a really like big jacket on, like a really cool jacket. I just tended that, you know, it was just pulling off a younger age range. That was it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sort of pulled your jeans down a little bit, pulled your, your boxes up. I had like a really oversized Alessi jumper. I think that's what you do now if you're younger. That's what I understand. So, yeah.
1: No, I that's don't what I understand. No,
3: that's me. I'm, I'm, they call me old
1: Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well... Oh Nick, um, we're gonna move on if that's okay. To uh to to, tw- to to 2012. Oh, somebody leaves a band. Somebody leaves a band. My yeah. notes say somebody leaves a band. Um we were talking about the references, etc. And I don't know whether it's because I'd been listening to a lot of it all back to back, but the plot against common sense I found the most difficult to process sometimes. Um it seemed that sometimes the the targets his targets got a bit uh, occasionally a bit lazy or just didn't seem to make sense i i, I half expected there to be a song when him going ah she's taking so long she's on the cash point i want to go to the shops like just getting angry with with, <laughs> with just stuff right like, um fuck off robocop is i mean fine i mean yeah i mean please tell me it's it's more than just hating the movie robocop um but i know i really struggled <laughs> with this one and i don't know why i mean Later on, I sort of came back into it, and maybe I need to revisit this album. But for me, the next one, The Plot Against Common Sense, was a bit of a lull. Uh, Chris, no, no one ever agrees with me. Are you going to agree with me? I am going to agree with you. I yes! think it's the, it's the. Stop the podcast. It's Stop the, the podcast. We're done. <laughs>
3: uh, I think it's the um, challenging third album, I would say. Because it is worth saying, you know, there's a lot of change at that time as well. So Kelson has left now and um they had an intermediary bassist but then they got Julia Rizeca which i think is how you pronounce it nick might know better than me earlier on you sounded quite confident uh, but julia rizeca joined who had been in million dead and for a short for the next two albums they'd be a four piece as well so they had um jimmy watkins um so they'd had touring guitarists but at this point they had an actual fourth member but yes, I would agree. And I that point you make about the targets, I think was in the Pitchfork review as well, that it, some of them just feel a bit like, like everyone likes a joke about Russell Brand, right? That's hilarious. But it's a bit like, well, it is cleverer than this. And I think it's quite, I think the album's overly long as well. I think it's a bit, it's very flabby near the end, actually. I think the first half is amazing, but it does just tail near the end so i would agree with you ewan i know you're surprised to hear that but i would agree with you on this one
1: (laughs) um but i think you made a really good point there about flabbiness i mean for when when a band in this type of music particularly a band or or or, uh, artists who uh, became beloved for churning out two three minute driving tracks and barreling towards a destination a baggy album is can be quite hard to forgive you know it's sort of that's not what you want from this. You don't want a a, a triple uh, vinyl exploration of this with six minute songs and three minute songs. You don't want can. Some people want can, Chris, some, Nick. Some people really like can, and that's fine. But if you're really into post hardcore two and a half minute tracks, you don't want Tagomago Side Two. Okay, <laughs> no, and I think going you. back to your.
3: And your point about the uh, target, sorry, because I really like the song, um, Sorry Dad, I Was Late for the Riot. It's a really great song. But again, you, you, when you pay too close attention, you start thinking, oh, you know, there's a few of those lyrics could go. It's not quite as funny as it could be. But the overall song is really good. But it has, again, this kind of almost, yeah, just cheap shot. I can't think of another, you know, this kind of like, oh, we're going to take the mic out of someone who's middle class and goes to a public protest. The slip lyric is really funny. Um, but than, I
1: think it doesn't quite work that um, overall. Um Cherie, um you, you talked about how um uh you used to be was it gossip gossip rock with Yes, that's um, right. Um who who what 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 were you give me you've got any examples of your shots at at, at the world? They weren't as witty
2: as these ones. I wasn't reimagining Billy Corgan as Voldemort, which I have loved as a Harry Potter nerd. Um, what were they? Uh, lots of th- we once played a battle of the bands, and um, <laughs> the other band that we were playing against had all their girlfriends in the dressing room. So we wrote a song called "Queens of the Scene," um, and the chorus said, "Like we're the queens of mean." Um, we said something about straddling <laughs> and straightening their hair because they were just.
1: well, Please tell me and you did that hair? song in the Battle of the Bands. I against think we might her. have, <laughs> yeah.
2: Whoa. That yeah, that was our sort of our style. But um, yeah, I do agree that, that that's interesting hearing everyone else talk about it because I thought I had snatches of things that I really liked in the record and I wrote lots of the lyrics down. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah. But I think overall, like I'm I'm giddy to talk about the next record because I really loved it. Um, I thought there were some yeah, really interesting things. Like I felt some of the Casio keys reminded me of Biz, and I love and miss Biz. So I was happy about that. Um, there was some Focoda, which I wasn't expecting in the Guide to Men. Um, yeah, the Billy Corgan line. Um, is it Command Do? It's almost like a pre Wellerman sea shanty or something going on there. <laughs> There's just a
3: lot going on. I think, as well, it's worth saying I think that Command Do. This is the the terror of Spotify. I think the last three songs on Spotify aren't the original album, so there is oh, okay. they sound massively oh. different. Yeah, this, it's off, it's actually an EP called uh, At Magnetic West for the uh, for the heads. So it's like they re- they did release it around the time, but that, those last three do sound make it even longer and maybe unfair, so maybe unfairly longer. again.
2: Previous that they've tagged on, or yeah,
3: I, it's around that time. I don't know when it was recorded, but it was like a uh, seven inch. I put it somewhere. 7-inch, so yeah. Seven yeah. inch. That and, I can't remember but they're the last three, anyway.
1: Um, were they at the stage yet? This could, I could be jumping ahead now. But were they at the stage yet of getting, of ask? they're sort of crowdfunded a bunch of albums. Was it the not, next? Not,
3: th- not this one. I think this one's on, um, if I remember rightly, it's on Extra Mile, I think. I think it an Extra Mile, the same as, um, in fact, Million deadwear as well, I think, actually, but I think it's on Extra Mile.
2: Also, am okay. I right um, in thinking yeah. that this won the Welsh Music Prize?
3: Did it? Did it, did
2: it. Did it? I had that written down um for this reference. It beat stereophonics. <laughs> <laughs> for two thousand and twelve, but it seems mad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ever since ever since we mentioned stereophonics on the last one, my brain has been going through what other Welsh bands there are. Super and, um, fairy Animals is <laughs> yeah, super, super animals, animals yeah. Gorky's Manics. Gorkies. Manic, oh Gorkies. gosh, it's, it's <laughs> Tom Jones Gorky's oh, the, Tom the Gothic out. Monkey. Um Nick, Nick T. Um, Okay, well three of us have some issues or some reservations about this album. Um is this where is this where Temporary Fandoms does its bit where somebody goes, This is my favorite album, or are we a <laughs> united front?
4: Uh, we are we we are a united front, yeah. I mean I don't I'm I'm sorry, I don't really have much more to add to to the dis, the discourse on on this particular album. I I think um yeah, uh, just you know, good luck um following up travels with myself, basically, <laughs> with something like this. So it's, I mean it's I think it's worth noting that this is the album that uh that caused yeah the 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 slightly infamous Pitchfork review which uh which Falco wrote a uh, a full yeah. a full repost over uh and um uh I don't know if we want to get too deep into that but how do we feel about um about musicians um kind of um, crying out against uh, against the critic. I'd be, I'd be interested in uh, in Cherie's opinion on this, actually, in particular.
2: I just read a really good article about this, actually, on The Guardian um, by another writer, mm. and it was it was quite pop-focused, but obviously it talks about Lana Del Rey and Lizzo. Um, yeah. I hadn't known about that one, and she deleted the tweet as well, which, again, just brings in yeah, whole, that was bad. Uh, the level, yeah. doesn't it, of just saying something yeah. and then censoring your own voice. Um, really bizarre. But yeah, mm. I did read that actually, Nick. I saw the same thing, and um, he really goes to town. I think what was the line mm. about? Um, I'm about shitting in a pitchfork cave or something. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. I think mean, that's the thing. Like it was a funny, it was a funny piece, and there was there's there's some bits of it that are a kind of fair where he basically, you know, he says that he picks up he picks he picks some issues with the fact that the the reviewer seemed to form an opinion based on a, a, a complete misinterpretation of, of some of the songs. And
1: and I can mm-hmm. understand
4: how uh, that might, you know that might be a bit that might be a bit annoying, but still think ultimately it is a bit unbecoming to kind of you know, um, if you get I think if there's also review, yeah, I, there's, there, there's different <laughs> ways to
1: respond to that. There's different ways to respond as well. I mean if, if people remember when um, uh, Scroobius Pip and Dan Lassac's first album came out pitchfork gave it a 0.2 and it was it was the most scathing review you could ever see on pitchfork sort of basically pitchfork heard them say uh talk about how they're a f- different chain trying to change hip-hop and they re- reviewed it as a hip-hop album got it a 0.2 about a month later Scrooby's Pippin Down and Sat played a gig just down the road. It was, it was already scheduled, just down the road from the Pittsburgh studios. And they plastered, they didn't say anything, but they plastered the walls of the, the, the venue with the review. Like in big <laughs> letters everywhere. And then they had their gig and then they went home. I think that was a great way to respond to. Yeah. If people yeah, are listening, yeah. go and check it out. It's the it's scathing. <laughs> 0.2. I don't think I've ever seen. <laughs> I
2: think at that point <laughs> you the, just other, don't the other the other
3: thing. Yeah, because the other famous one, isn't it, is the NYC Ghost and Flowers, the Sonic Youth review where they gave it zero. I think they gave it, mm. which is outrageous. Because in my opinion, that's like top three Sonic Youth. Anyway, but they, I think he, that person ended up apologising later on and basically saying, oh, I was just having a go. Like basically, it was a way to get my name out there. Do you know what I mean? So again, it's a different thing to like. Well, that's I may have paraphrased it slightly wrong, but like you, you know, you're early on, you're trying to do something. But um, I'm interested in what you say there because I've not read that return from it but there were some of the song types some of the song interpretations i think it's polymers of forever in particular he says is about like breast implants or something and i think i'd never even heard that for a second so anyway that's interesting he wrote back about that i've never actually seen that so
4: yeah it's it's worth yeah it's worth worth reading
3: was it the was it the pitchfork was it the review of the first jet
4: album where they just put an image of a monkey pissing or something <laughs> yeah, <that's> it, yeah. <laughs> yeah this getting, is getting very ready?
1: spinal. This is getting really spinal tap. You know, shit sandwich. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. So, was yes. was this the
3: album that leaked on the internet? No, that's travels with myself. Okay. Yeah, that's got a good the, the blog that goes with his. Retort, well, that's that's, that's why I initially
0: look. thought we were talking about yeah, because it was quite famous. His response to that has been repeated widely.
3: I think just okay. overall this album, like there's a couple of songs on it that could really have fitted on Travels With Myself, like Goals In Slow Motion and um, I'm The Least Of Your Problems as well. But overall, I think it's too much going on, basically. That's the problem. And it's all just a bit like, which can be fine. But yeah, it's just a bit all over the place.
1: Well, this is probably a good time to move on. Um, we're going to, oh, only not too far, to, two, to 2013 with an album with a, really good album cover to be honest we've talked about album art in previous yeah. episodes i mean this is this is a, this is a good one uh, how to stop your brain in an accident um after i felt i was losing a bit of momentum in the last one i perked up a lot during this one um i thought this was a massively massive true to form um return to form um this was when they were self releasing right this was when they they, yeah. they got free. they were no longer part of the record label yeah they crowd they crowdfunded um, it yeah what was what it wasn't on like um it was what was the platform it was um uh, pledge fund pledge, pledge music something like that. Mm-hmm. okay that was yeah pledge yeah, pledge music um i think it's great um i think it just it bounded along really really nice it was interesting it was uh it, there was dirty riffs in there there was screeching um things to say to a friendly policeman is brilliant just absolutely brilliant and even if you don't listen to the song the very title johnny barrel afterlife um (laughs) it's a great song song. it just tells you you everything it's a really good song yeah yeah um so sheree you said you couldn't wait to talk about this album I was
2: absolutely a so. element for this album. Loved it. I wrote so many names of things that I love. Mainly the poly octave pedal was involved in this album. And I'm such a fan. So <laughs> not only as you've got your Hammond synthesizer, you've also got like the pog going on in the background, all that layering it was very, very at home. Um, I loved singing of the bone sores. I thought that was hilarious. I, the, again, I've said this repeatedly about him, but calling out FOMO like 10 years before that's become the lexicon that everybody talks about now. Um, it had queen baselines, had kind of cutting quips about consumerism and the Kardashians. You um, and you mentioned uh, the young knives earlier for McCluskey and I had a mm-hmm. similar thing, but it was killer and I couldn't place it forever until moments ago. I realized it's the Victorian uh, English Gentlemen's Club, who I was such a fan of, and they're mm. also a Cardiff band, so maybe there's something in that. Um, they were around mm-hmm. sort of the 2004 to 2014, so similar <laughs> crossover. But, yeah, the delivery of his lines, I really love that. It goes into, like, proper art punk for me. Um, yeah, and, yeah, the Johnny Borrell track, so theatrical. Yeah. The just a boy, mm-hmm. just a boy harmonies, great, great, great.
1: And it um, mentions that, Bobby I,
3: Zamora, the footballer, which is also a great reference.
1: <laughs> that is a great reference, yeah. yeah. Um, art. We haven't heard the word, we haven't used the word sort of art before today, and in terms of art pop or art punk, and there is definitely something here about that. I mean, we've talked about post-hardcore, we've used the word indie, we've used the word alternative, but the art moniker is something we haven't really touched upon. Um, is it because usually when you think of art pop or art rock or art punk, there are nice hats and fancy shoes um or is it or, or is it just because there's so much going on that it's it's hard to sort of pin down who they are i mean um nick t i mean how would you genreize I mean, it's not a word but fuck <laughs> it i'm making it up how would you genreize uh future of the left i mean it's getting quite difficult at this point i mean there, there's some obvious bits and some not obvious bits right
4: it is yeah. It is very difficult yeah. Because I think especially by especially by, by the time we get to this record, we're really they're they're starting to really master the kind of uh, the the pop sensibility that 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 goes so well with the re, with the really heavy riffs. So um, yeah, so I think the ref the reference points are kind of all over the place really. by, by the time you get to this record,
1: yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, like Chris. You know, I... Oh, sorry, Nick, old Nick. <laughs>
0: No, I was just going to say. I mean, I think this. I mean, this is my favorite future of the left album. Um, but I think this is the point where they, in a way, and, and it's it's always been the case to some extent. But they've just really totally become uh, a vehicle for Andrew Falkus at this point, because the yeah. whole album is he's like trying on all these different voices on all the tracks. He's like he's whispering some of the tracks. He's doing some of them in like received yeah. pronunciation English. It, it's, 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 <laughs> it's just so it's almost. I mean, you, you you mentioned art. It's like yeah, it's almost theatrical. Like he's doing He's doing st- like mm, sketches and things. Definitely, right. yeah. Um, which actually, on paper, sounds awful, but it's but it's great. And it's that thing that, all, that the albums always fizzing with ideas. Here, he just totally lets loose, um, just trying different things on every track, and again, often yeah. several different things within a track. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so there's just so much in there in this record.
4: I think it's really interesting as well. We, we, you know, we were talking about how some of the the targets on uh, plot against common sense were, were were a bit obvious, and then and 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 as such, it, it feels lyrically like like a surprisingly weak album in 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 places um, compared to when when we consider what we can really expect of, of Falco by this point. But by the time you get to this album, you know, even something like how to spot a record company, I mean, that is such an obvious target, um, but he's he manages on this record he manages to do it in he manages to do it in a way that does kind of come back to the the sort of the 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 really fun and 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 acerbic tone that we've come to expect of of him through throughout his uh, McCluskey days and and future of the left days as well so it's it's interesting how the the targets don't necessarily get more subtle by the time we get to this record but there's definitely a a, sh- a sharper lyrical focus i think
3: I think the other okay. interesting thing about that song um, going back to um, I think I mentioned Ruben when we were talking about McCluskey, is that they are similar, again, they are like Reuben in the sense they get to a certain level and then you kind of plateau but everyone thinks you should be the biggest band in the world and they similar do a, a song where they take shots at the record, at record companies it's um, Return of the Jedi but again, they kind of pull it off, again a similar way, because if you've got a kind of different take on it rather than just it's all shit you know, it's all rubbish, a very particular viewpoint, I think both that song just works because you could empathize it as a fan. You can see that mm. you can't understand why is it not happening. It's not just someone going, oh, it's all men in suits or whatever. It's like a genuine frustration that you are feeling as a fan as well. I think that's another reason why it works I as think, well. Yeah,
2: and also, yeah. I guess, because this album was crowdfunded by the fans. So there's yeah. a sense of authenticity yeah. there because mm-hmm. they don't have a record label. So it would be completely different if this was coming from a band on like, you know, a reputable indie. Um, so that, yeah, I love that.
1: Um, there was, there is slightly a thing and we touched upon it before when I was talking about how, when bands get to their later period and their life has changed and they can't necessarily sing about the stuff that they, they grew up with or have the same targets because their life is different. I mean, at this point, their life wasn't really that much different, right? I mean, they still hadn't made it. They had loyal fans. And while people like I know Jeffrey Lewis, Arctic Monkeys have a song about a, a record label and an agent, <laughs> but then yeah. by 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 album four, they're singing weird stuff and they 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 can't relate to anything anymore. Um, at this point, it does feel that like he's still angry, but relating to things. He's still angry with um, things in the world, but maturing in his songwriting a bit. And unlike say the last album, learning where to direct his gaze rather than just everybody
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think as well that um another song that i do really think is worth mentioning you say about the angry thing um is french lessons as well like again mm-hmm. it's a song that's uncharacteristically um what's the word again not tender is the right word but it's got it takes the foot off the pedal the lyrics are hilarious The think about the idiot on a um, unicycle whatever it is but again it's just got a slightly more um yeah just i don't know there's something about that song that really stands out on the album because it doesn't jar as a slower quieter song it just works and i do think there's something about them refining what they were doing which whereas plot was very much like try everything now it's like well we'll take the bits that do work and we'll try and really get those going. And it's still quite all. There's a lot going on still stylistically, but they just work a lot more. I think is my feeling on this one.
1: And also musically, I mean, the bass. I mean, the, the, I think Future of the Left, as opposed to say McCluskey, there's definitely more of a good bass sound. And I oh. I love a dirty bass, good growling, menacing, pummeling dirty Huge bass. Ah, oh, it's great. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's such a good sound. Um, when we get to the next album as well, I think. That's when the base shines because of the various is other reasons. On that album, yeah. yeah. Um in fact, let's oh, do yeah. that. Um the, the peace and truce are future and the left, 2016. Um they're back to being as a smaller band. Jimmy's gone, he walked out, left. Was it acrimonious? Was it just a, a split? Was there a broken stolen TV?
3: I don't actually know much about it, but what's interesting is so he's quite
1: um he
3: does a lot on Twitter now, like he's involved in like a, a running group and he does a lot about men's mental health and stuff now. And he talks a lot about how the last 10 years he, uh, you know, drank a lot, partied a lot. I mean, he looked very different. So I don't know if, but that's much, this late leaving is like 2015-ish. So it's much far prior than that. But I don't I think it's ever been said, but he's, he's talked about that being a quite a difficult period, I think, in terms of like his own, what happens when you're in a band and you're touring and all that kind of thing. But yes, he leaves. And they they have a touring guitarist sometimes. I think at some point, um, someone from Art Brute plays guitar for them live oh, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Is it Jasper? Yeah, Ian they- Catskill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it called,
1: is that someone, someone Catskill?
3: Yeah. Um, so they do have him live sometimes, but generally as a whole, they're a three piece again. Yeah.
1: Um, there is an interesting thing that we've touched upon several times, band members leaving. And yet, with some bands, you go through their history and when people have left, and that story is out there. They have they have fallen out, they have talked about it. Whereas there's several people who have left um either in McCluskey or Future of the Left, and you they're going, Well, we know a bit of the story, we think. But it's not like anybody ever came out and went, That fucker did this. And here's 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 the details. Now, it's it's quite nice that it's, it hasn't all spilled out into the media, I guess. Um, I think this album was brilliant um and i think it's because there's less of them and so that bass really comes to the forefront it's it's nice and tight um i wrote tight as fuck a few times <laughs> um, i also want to start shouting um what was it i can't remember yeah, yeah um uh, there's some really good lo-fi stuff i want to start, start, start shouting army surplus um <laughs> yeah. insulting people uh over and over and over again um oh yeah, i am i' a brilliant um i'll listen to this one again i mean which is a, which' got the u n seal of approval um <laughs> Nick t um have they been building up and up and up and up and up is this a step up from how to stop your brain um i mean where is it for you um it's tricky to say whether
4: whether or not it's an absolute step up, but not to say that i didn't love it i really i really love it um but i i think it's i think by the time by the time i got around to listening to this album it kind of for me it just seemed to it it seemed to sit in a in a place where i was i was at this point so used to the the future of the left's just high quality that it just seemed like oh yeah this makes sense that this this, this <laughs> album's great um but yeah disappointingly so I, good I think, um <laughs> <laughs> i think for me it's on a i think for me it's on a par with uh with um with how to stop your brain i think um but um yeah. but yeah but i think it's inter- it, there's some really really interesting stuff on there and i think actually you know, it's it's but you mentioned the you mentioned the kind of the lo-fi stuff to me there's almost moments of this that kind of when, when i think about tracks like miners gruel and stuff there's a sense There's a sensibility to to tracks like that that almost make this album the kind of the closest link between the Future of the Left days and the McCluskey days. I don't know if that's something that anyone else kind of picked up on or or felt.
3: I would agree with that. I think it's definitely got a similar tone to their final McCluskey album. Yeah, and I think there's Mm. that kind of, it feels a bit, um, I'm going to use another kind of lazy term, but a bit darker and a bit kind of more, because uh, the last two albums, to me, feel quite bright and quite big. Like, again, with this one, it just feels like you've kind of gone into a small room and it's just like the bass is turned up and it's hot. And it just feels, I think I would agree, I think yeah. it's the most similar in tone to later, McCluskey. yeah, definitely.
1: So is that an arc? Is, do, is, is, is that accidental, do you think? I mean, is there is there a natural arc to go from the raw and then evolving as a band? I mean, is he going to form another band and do the same thing and the last album will... will symmetrical or is it is it a natural is it a natural progression is what i'm saying to go from raw and acerbic to evolving into something else and then coming back again because both times there seems that the middle period of mccluskey and the middle period of future of the left they expanded into something and then sort of contracted into a different version of what they originally were at yeah they're close their endings are closer to their beginnings than the middle bit
2: that sounds like an no. album title from Future of the Left.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was all planned out from the beginning. That's it, they knew it was coming. Yeah,
0: basically.
3: I just think what's interesting about like the McCluskey point, um, because we haven't actually mentioned this through Future Left, is that they eventually started playing McCluskey songs again. So it's interesting, oh, really? like something, yeah, so it must have been the first time I saw Future of the Left play McCluskey songs, it must have been about 2011. So they did kind of put off doing it for a while, but they have considerably done it for now. So again, it's like the songs start to fit in a bit more and there's a bit more of a synergy between it. But I do it's interesting to kind of make those parallels because obviously since this album hasn't been another Future Left album, there's been lots of McCluskey gigs, that kind of thing as well. So again, there's something about this period, isn't there, of kind of going, we've got this sound and you've maybe come to terms with the legacy of... um of i think it was actually 2014 actually that they did the first mccluskey reunion shows but there's something going on there that seems to be a and synergy when you say
1: reunion them. shows because i don't know any like the original lineup Aquabone gone all back together
3: no so the early um mccluskey reunion shows they started with i think it was julia and someone from a band called the saint pierre snake invasion Right, I don't know much about other than
1: the name. That and sounds like them. you just put some words, pull some words out of a hat, and yeah, put them together. I mean, exactly, it's great. Yeah, it's like but... random
3: band name generator. But they played some gigs. Um, and I went to one in 2014, which were like fundraisers almost. They did one in Newport, one in Cardiff. They did one at the Buffalo Bar, and everyone knows that in London as well. I think. Uh, I don't think they saved it. Um, anyway, and then there was a gap, and then they they, <laughs> they, they started. They
1: didn't,
3: no. no, they didn't. No, um, <laughs> and then they started playing gigs again few years later i think i saw them last 18 2018 i can't visualize the band now i think julia plays with them live but i, I can't remember off the top of my head but yeah they started playing gigs again with them but it hasn't got john chaplin basically that's the main right. thing yeah so it sounds like that's um, not gonna happen no so we can fill in that soap drama that that is still not good <laughs> that's the main <laughs> thing i mean he has he has done music since but it's not mccluskey so Right.
1: It's weird for some is it's, it's weird for someone who was in a band who then has another band to then while he's still in his newer band Future of the Left who still exists, right? To then go and do reunion gigs of his previous band. That's not that normal. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm
3: just yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting one because like I say they they in the I've seen them lots of times and I think they maybe would pay two or three McCluskey songs. You'd always get Lightsaber like, cock sucking Blues. You would always get um to hell with good intentions, I'm sure that was what it was. And then a couple of smashing other ones, but yeah, I don't know what that shift was. Obviously, then you made some money to try and save these venues and and whatnot, but it is interesting. I don't really know whether the next thing will be a McCluskey album, will it be a Future of the Left album? Yeah,
0: that'd be interesting.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. And with them overlapping so much now, would it kind of sound the same? <laughs> Just what I mean? Yeah, so, like yeah. when, we,
0: when we did the episode, the on love, and we them? were trying to work out what was the difference between a love album. And an Arthur Lee solo album, given that every love album, after a certain point, had different band members on it. Um, and, so, and there so have been the other... Epi- it probably means something to, to him. Like, no, I can't, I can't do this gig as Future of the Left. This is a McCluskey gig. In his head, he probably knows what that is. But essentially, if he was just to go out and do a Future of the Left gig where he only played McCluskey songs, would that... <laughs> there are his songs. He can play them. <laughs> doesn't matter.
1: And also, if they're recording new stuff now, I mean, that's, that's the weirder part. If he records new stuff, um, what would be his delineation between the two? Oh no, this one sounds as you said. Oh yeah, this one sounds pure McCluskey. I'm there is sorry, definitely. I, I think there's been one demo released. It's called something House.
3: Something to do with house plants. It's, it's on the live album that they're releasing at the moment. Okay. But I think what's also interesting about the gigs. I don't know. I've got a feeling about it. But you've got that twenty year, fifteen twenty year cycle for that early two thousand Brit rock thing. You know, like the as we said, Biffy. Um, Ruben, all of that. And you had that tour a few years ago that was like Hell is for Heroes playing Neon Handshake, and I think Hundred Reasons played um it, yeah, and Ideas Above Your Station, wasn't it? But they've kind of gone different ways because I don't think a McCluskey Dallas show, I mean Electric Ballroom's pretty big actually for next year, but it's a different way. It's it doesn't feel to have the same nostalgia thing attached to it. It's a slightly different beast. Maybe I'm being slightly seeing it through rose coloured eyes, but it just feels different to that 100 Reasons Hell of for Heroes approach. This one feels different. Yeah, I don't know. But it's, obviously, it's that 20 years, and I think it's the Simon Reynolds thing. Every 20 years, you get the same thing again. So um, now is the time, maybe. I mean, of course, it could be the biggest band in the world this time next year.
0: Let's hope so. You heard it here, you heard it here first, lads. <laughs> That's
3: what you heard. So, <laughs> how, how was the Hell is for Heroes show, Sheree.
2: It was really good, although I think it was a different one that I, because I'm um, sort of embarrassed to admit this, but we went to the one that was with Vex Red, because I was a really big Vex Red fan.
3: I've seen Vex Red a few times, yeah. Yeah, great. Just yeah, great. me too.
2: Um, And it was Hell is for Heroes, Vex Red, and then unfortunately in the middle of that se- scenario, A played. Um,
3: so that, wow. that happened. <laughs> Which, but it's an interesting, that brings us quite an interesting circle, because I believe the bass player. From May. It's, it's McFly. It's McFly. I, not <laughs> McFly, so like I, you thinking,
2: do you know what? I'm glad <laughs> you brought that up because I was looking for to bring that back because I was going to mention that McFly do play some mcbusted songs and that's maybe how we get it. Back. Yeah, but your Dougie reference is much better.
3: Maybe there's a McFly McFlusky muckbusted gig where we're going to save so many venues. <laughs> Just element. imagine that. <laughs> I, I will yeah. work that PR Mc, campaign. McFlustered.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, McFlusted.
2: I am McFlustered about that <laughs> we, idea.
1: We are. We are going to end on the muckflusted note because I don't think we can top that. Um, <laughs> we, we've had we've had we've gone through well two episodes. We look we went through McCluskey, a band who I had never heard of uh, in any way, shape, or form. Future of the Left, a band who uh, I was aware of but I didn't listen to. Um, I've enjoyed myself. There's some there's a few albums I probably wouldn't put on again. And there's a bunch of stuff that will go onto to the infinite playlist of, of music in my house. And, and, it, and I warmed to his voice. It took me a few times and I had to get drunk, but honestly, it was, it was like, I was walking, headphones on, walking to the bar. Ah, oh, how do you have up I think, ah, oh, there's screeching. Oh, there's a, uh, and then beer, 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 walking home. Oh, this is fucking great. Who's Rick. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like having a great time. <laughs> um, so thank you ever so much, Chris, for all your hard work, uh, bringing, bringing us through, uh, the McCluskey and future of the left. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. Hank, thank you, Chris. thank, uh, you. thank <laughs> you very much, Cherie, for coming back. Pleasure.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Um, this time we'll, we won't lock, we won't lock you in. We'll let you go. I am going to leave.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, but we will see you soon at some point, um, which we will reveal in, in future uh, episodes. Um, Nick T. Um, of oh, Nick Taylor, as is you are known to be called. Thank you for coming on, and um, we will, if you're listening to this, please go and listen to My Teenage Band podcast. Um, Thank you. Because, you know, it's it's, it's it's good. And they have better guests than us, apart from this lot. i mean, like, how the hell? <laughs> what the fuck? Still in uh, the room, Ewan. <laughs> I mean, shit, shit. I, I thought Sheree and Chris had gone. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and Nick. All right, cheers. See you next week. Okay, thanks a lot. Bye. (laughs) Cheers. My hangover kicked in about 10 minutes ago and I got really rambly, so hopefully that didn't come out.
0: Thank you for listening all the way to the end of today's episode, which concludes our time spent with Andrew Falco Falcus and his bands McCluskey and Future of the Left. I suspect he's not done with us yet though, but if he does squeeze out another album, we'll be back with a bonus episode to make sure we're all topped up. Thank you Chris Whitby for guiding us through the albums, and to our other roundtable guests, writer, broadcaster and pop fan Sharia Moore, and podcaster Nick Taylor. If you haven't done so already, please check out his show My Teenage Band, which you'll find at myteenageband.com and all the other places you find podcasts. It's such a great idea for a show. Thanks also to my ever buoyant co-host Ewan for helping me make the show, and to Jonathan Fisher for our theme music. If you enjoy Temporary Fandoms, please subscribe and leave us reviews and all that. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash tempfans, where a number of tiers are available ranging from simply showing us your support through to fully-fledged sponsorship. If you sign up to be a Temporary fan of the show, there'll be bonus episodes and more. We're just looking to cover the costs involved in keeping the show running, but if you want to give so generously that I can recklessly quit my day job, that's also okay. See you all again on episode 26. I'm Nick Hilditch, and the music industry is lying to you. It's telling you that you're excited. And you are excited.